Hi, and welcome to Baby Bliss Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Lizette. I'm a mom, nurse, and educator, and I'm here to break down the need to know and the want to know about pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. As a disclaimer, I am not here to give medical advice. This is for educational purposes only. I encourage you to follow the advice of your physician or provider for any medical decisions related to your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum care. Hey guys, and welcome to episode five of the Baby Bliss Pregnancy Podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about the history of the pregnancy test. I know it's kind of random since it's not specific to what you're currently going through your journey. However, I always find history so interesting. And sometimes we just need to take a break from focusing on maybe our day-to-day and just learn something new, at least in my mind. So I hope you enjoy it. I wanted to let you know I have some source material that I am putting down in the episode show notes, and I'm going to butcher a couple names, so I'm really sorry, but I looked at Kelsey Tazowski's, it's called P is for Pregnant, the History and Science of Urine-Based Pregnancy Test, and Carrie Rom wrote Before There Were Home Pregnancy Tests on The Atlantic, and last, Linda Rodriguez McRoby wrote eight historical methods of detecting pregnancy, and that can be found on mental floss. But I'm going to go ahead and link all of those for you down in the show notes. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start back with the earliest known record of using urine for determining pregnancy. So this was ancient Egypt, 1350 BCE. I tried to do a lot of searching to see if there was anything before this, and I couldn't find anything. But if I have any historians out there, please reach out for sure. Because I also looked high and low, guys. Why did they choose urine? Why was that what we were going to use to see if someone was pregnant or not? Um. Anyway, so the Egyptians, if women wanted to know if they were pregnant or the gender of the baby, they would have them pee on wheat and barley seeds. And if the wheat seeds grew, so they'd do this for a couple of days. If the wheat seeds grew, they knew she was having a girl. If the barley seeds grew, they knew she was having a boy. If neither seed grew, then she wasn't pregnant. So the crazy part is apparently in a study in 1963, they wanted to see if this method actually worked. And they found that it was 70% accurate. I just think that's really interesting. So this test was actually going on for a long time of peeing on a variety of things. And there's actually a version of it that is found in the oldest manual for midwives called The Birth of Mankind from 1540. I think that's just nuts. So moving on from the Egyptians, and they found all of this on medical papyrus, so information that was written down for by the Egyptians. In ancient Greece, Hippocrates. So he's considered the father of medicine. If you think of the Hippocratic Oath, that's where the name comes from. So in his writings, he stated that if a woman was suspected of being pregnant, then they could insert an onion or some other foul-smelling vegetable into her vagina overnight. So imagine that you want to find out if you're pregnant, so they shove an onion into your vagina. And then they leave it there all night long. So then in the morning, the way to find out if she was pregnant is to smell her breath. What? Yes. If her breath smelled of onions, then she wasn't pregnant. So I think the idea was that if there's a baby in the uterus, then it blocks the flow of the smell coming from the vagina to the mouth. Because, you know, when you're singing your song, the hip bones connected, it's apparently the vagina bones connected to the mouth bone. But I just think that's insane. And can you imagine the odor 
the pH of your vagina, pulling it, I can't, I just, there's so many questions and so many things wrong with that. Okay, there was another 10th century Persian philosopher. So if you notice, I'm kind of doing this in chronological order. His name was Avicenna. And he would pour sulfur on a woman's urine to see if worms came slithering out of the mixture. And if there were worms and she was pregnant. I am really not sure what the thinking was here. But interestingly enough, worms in the urine was found several times when I was looking And I just think they were living in times without sanitation. And maybe that was the problem. So 15th century, the Distaff Gospel. So this is a collection of medical papers that are focused on women, their stories and information medically. So if a woman was thought to be pregnant, she would again pee in a basin, like a chamber pot, and then put a latch or key in the bottom. Then she'd leave it for three or four hours in the urine throw the pee out, and then remove the latch. And if there was an impression of the latch on the bottom of the basin, she was pregnant. What? Yeah, lots of questions for that one too, but at least it didn't involve onions. 16th century Europe. Are you ready? They had piss prophets. That's right. P-I-S-S, prophets. I don't know who signed up for this job. But they would read a woman's urine and they would actually read it kind of like if you think reading tea leaves or palms. So they're, they would look at the appearance of the urine and it could tell them a lot. And they would look to determine, is she pregnant? And then what's the gender of the baby? Women would go to find out what sex the baby is. And some of them even mixed urine in with wine to see the results of the bubbles. I love wine, y'all, but... You know, can you imagine like, you know, you swirl it in your glass and you take a sniff and, oh, I smell black currant and tobacco and earth and pee. No, thank you. But apparently they didn't just assess pregnant women. They assessed a lot of people's urine for all kinds of things, looking at do they have a disease to if they were going to come into money. And they looked at the bubbles right after it hit the chamber pot. So they would have to be peed right in front of. And then they would look at the bubbles and they would use a color wheel. Not like your primary colors or in art class, but a urine color wheel with 20 different colors of urine to determine what's going on. If you can imagine like leaving a urine specimen to find out if you're going to win the lotto. Like, And I'm not peeing in front of you. What? I really do wonder the accuracy of this or how much they got paid. How many chickens did you get for doing this? Okay, then in the 16th century, there was a physician, Jacques Guillemieux. I probably butchered that one also. I'm really sorry. Said you could tell if someone was pregnant by looking into their eyes. So he did a lot of work looking at medicine and eyes and health, which obviously, like actually during pregnancy, your vision changes a lot. They tell you not to get new glasses or contacts during that time and to wait. But he was actually looking at specific aspects of the eyes. So he would say that in the second month of pregnancy, that they would be deep set. They'd have small pupils and droopy lids. No joke. That is called being tired and feeling nauseous all the time. So I thought that one was really interesting as well. When I was looking at just information in history, Some of it also is just the evolution of medicine and terminology and all of those things. So the term hormone, and by hormone, you know, we're talking about things like estrogen and progesterone. The term hormone was coined in 1905 
But before that, they didn't know what characteristics or what qualities of that urine really were associated with pregnancy. They just knew someone somewhere in Egypt figured out that urine had to do with pregnancy. So it wasn't until the 1920s that the human chorionic gonadotropin, which is the HCG, that was identified. And if there were higher rates of HCG in the urine, then it was indicative of pregnancy. And HCG is what we test for even today. So then in 1927, right, almost 100 years ago, German scientists Selmar Oshheim and Bernhard Zondek developed the A to Z test. So trigger warning if you like animals. This is when we get into animal testing. They found out that if they injected a pregnant woman's urine into a mouse or a rat, the animal would go into heat. So then they moved from mice and rats to rabbits, and rabbits became the popular thing to be utilized. With this, though, apparently the phrase, the rabbit died, was synonymous with a woman's pregnant, a positive pregnancy test, because apparently, even though it was not a really great phrase, all of the rabbits had to die because they would inject them and then dissect them to determine results. So thank goodness we moved on from rats to a pea stick. But before we did that, in between rabbits and a pea stick were frogs. Yep. But what they would do is inject urine into the frogs. And if they produced eggs, then the woman was pregnant. To end it on a high note, the frogs got to live. They probably got injected a bunch more times, but they got to live at least. So that was all so fascinating to me. That was to determine pregnancy. Then I found this. Are you ready? 1932, the first international conference of standardization of sex hormones took place in London. Y'all, can you imagine? Okay, so I found a picture because, again, I went down a rabbit hole of looking at all kinds of things. The, I found a picture of the members of the second international congress for the standardization of sex hormones. And I know you all are going to be very shocked, but it was all a bunch of old white men, right? But... I don't know about you. I've been to conferences before. I am so curious what their brochure looked like. What exactly were the topics that they discussed? And, you know, what graphics did they have? What that there's so many questions, so many questions related to that. And I can't seem to find anything. So again, any historians out there, please send me the info. So then 1972, thank goodness we have moved on. So Dr. Judith Vodakotis and Glenn Bronstein found the use of antibodies to accurately measure HCG. So this test would tell if a woman was pregnant two to three weeks after conception, which was so early. And before this, it was really common to have false positive results, if you can imagine, because we're waiting and dissecting animals or waiting to see if the onion funk has made it to your mouth. So antibodies are molecules. They're super small, and they usually find and stick to things like bacteria and viruses to let the body know and alert the body to have a response. So the scientists created an antibody that would attach to HCG, which is so genius. And interestingly, they did need sheep's blood for these early tests. I didn't find anything about any sheep's dying. So I think we just took blood from sheep's and they would attach HCG, the hormone we're looking for, to the outside of sheep's blood cells. And then we would mix these HCG covered sheep blood cells with the antibodies they created and the woman's urine that they're testing. If all of the HCG covered sheep cells were clumped together, then she wasn't pregnant. And it's kind of like because the antibodies have gathered them all in a group together, basically. However, if there was HCG in her urine because she's pregnant, the antibodies would go find the HCG in the urine and wouldn't allow the HCG covered sheep cells to clump together because they're busy finding HCG in the urine. 
So these two, obviously very forward-thinking scientists, attempted to patent their findings. However, supposedly their research was funded by public dollars, so the lawyers said, mm, you got to share this with everybody. But that's before pharmaceutical companies got a hold of it, and we know where it went from there, poor scientists. Um, then, the very defining 70s. In 1971 in Canada, and then here in the U.S. in 1976, the first at-home pregnancy test was developed and produced. And some of the commercials or the advertisements are funny. But the first one was called EPT, and I think they still have them on the market today. And that stands for Early Pregnancy Test or Error Proof Test. Now wait before we go into that it's error proof. And it was available for $10. It was the first FDA approved, you know, before there were other tests, but this is the first FDA approved. And it used the same technology with the sheep's blood. So here you go. It was a kit that included glass test tubes, dropper and dried sheep's blood, and then the antibody serum. So it's basically like giving a kid's science kit or chem set. It was a 10 step process and it took two hours to get results. It was fairly accurate though. It was at 90% accuracy for a positive. The EPT was soon followed by the predictor test. And I just thought this was interesting. It was designed by a graphic designer named Margaret Crane, who was hired to the company Organon that produced the first at-home pregnancy test. So she was hired specifically to work actually in the cosmetics line, but they were doing this tour of the company and she was walking around and saw all these test tubes hanging over a mirror. And she was like, what's going on over there? And that's when they told him, oh, well, those are pregnancy tests. There's chemical agents in there that react to what a woman's urine to find out if she's pregnant. And so if you can imagine you're sending off your urine to some building someplace for scientists to do these long tests on. And she's like, what? If the woman was pregnant, a red ring would be at the bottom of the test tube and they could see it in the mirror. And she's like, there has got to be a way to simplify these tests. So she created these at-home kit tests. So I do want you to say a little thank you to Margaret Crane also, because she said women can do this at home. A lot of this timing and the emergence of this reliable home pregnancy test allowed women to find out they were pregnant at home in the privacy of their own home and with their loved ones. They didn't have to wait to see a doctor. They didn't have to wait weeks to find out. But if you can imagine a 10-step process compared to what you do now. You literally pee, you put the stick in the pee, and you get an answer. So I just think it's amazing, though, that she created that. When these at-home tests went out to the public, there was actually backlash from physicians in the medical community. And they had a lot of fear that women couldn't take them correctly. And let's be honest, some women can't take a pregnancy test correctly today. But the reliability was there. And so they thought it was going to take away a lot from laboratories being able to really get a true answer. And then the, the physicians, if they have false positives. So some actually called for legislation to limit the use of home pregnancy tests. Can you imagine? Oh yes, wait, I can. I can imagine legislation that impacts women in the privacy of their own home. So Okay, now we've gone from the Egyptians and we're peeing on wheat and barley to frogs to a 10-step process. Now the pea sticks that are available, 20 million are sold every year in the United States. And let's all be honest with each other, that's probably just 500 women buying a whole lot of them because we don't trust the first one. But maybe we should because we're not having to use up frogs. So what we see today on the shelves was actually developed in about 1988, and it is 99% accurate, and it doesn't use sheep or mice, rat, rabbits, frogs. 
It does use the HCG antibody created by those scientists in 1972, but it reacts with dye. And that dye is what you see that causes the blue line or the pink line or the symbol to show up saying it's positive. So we do today have the line test, right? Or the ones that digitally say clearly pregnant. Before that, they, and I have a feeling men put this out. Sorry, any men listening. They used a smiling baby face. And I just picture like the first emoji ever. That's what was probably happening. Or a pregnant belly or a wiggly sperm. No, thank you. So obviously those didn't go over well with the women taking the test. So now that's why we have this line or now it's digital. So one other note that I thought was really interesting and I couldn't find a time of when it started is traditional Chinese medicine. And it's still used today by traditional healers and those in medicine is a pregnancy test would actually mean getting a pulse on the woman and they would feel for the pulse and it was the characteristics and the flow of the pulse that was telling them if they were pregnant and they're accurate to as high as 80%, which I think just is amazing. So that's what I have. If anybody has anything else that they know about pregnancy tests or the history, or if you know why they started with urine, I would love to find out, but I just thought this was interesting And for us to take a moment and thank all those people that had to go through so much and those animals before we got the pregnancy tests we have today. So thanks so much for listening. Um, Please rate us on whatever app you're listening to. It just helps so more listeners can find us. So please share and let your friends know about the podcast. Like and find us on any of the social media platforms. And be sure to reach out with any topics that you think are interesting or email at baby bliss podcast at gmail.com. I thank you so much for listening and we will talk soon.